Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Beginning at verse 1, and we shall read Isaiah 38, verse 1 through 6, and then we'll jump over to verse 16. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. And then move over to verse 16. O Lord, by these things men live, And in all these things is the life of my spirit. So wilt thou recover me and make me to live. Behold, for peace I have great bitterness. Thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. For thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. For the grave cannot praise thee, death cannot celebrate thee. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. The living, the living, he shall praise thee as I do this day. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore will we sing my songs to the stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. Let us pause for prayer. Our Father, as we look at your word, we pray that we each shall evaluate it in relationship to our own lives to our own problems and the problems that we face as individuals and as families, yes, even as we face them as a church family. May thy spirit guide us and bind our wounds and bless our lives as the needs are evident in us this evening. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I don't know what I might do If the Lord said to me, like he said to Hezekiah, set your house in order, or you will die and not live. I might panic. I'm sure that there are people who would. I would like to think that I would not. But that I would know the Lord well enough and have enough faith in him that it would 
as Paul expressed on more than one occasion, really be a pleasure if I could just leave here and go to be with the Lord. All of us are going to face that day sometime, and I'm not here this evening to present a discussion of what does one do when he's about ready to die, but rather, what are we to do in our lives about living? Hezekiah had to make a quick assessment of his life. For he didn't have long to do it. And as he began to look at his life and calculate the meaning of life, he saw things perhaps differently than he'd ever seen them before. I've heard someone uh, say who would uh, get up off the floor from being uh, smacked down and agree to do what he was told to do, and somebody asked him, why did you agree? And he said, nobody ever explained it to me just quite like that before. Sometimes the Lord needs to explain things to us in words that we can understand, and Hezekiah had to be faced, for whatever reason, with the fact that his life was not what it ought to be, and the Lord was going to take him out of this world. And he said, you better get yourself in order, get your house in order, or you're, you're going to die. And he prays. And out of that prayer comes an additional 15 years when the, God, when the Lord responded to his prayer. And I think those additional 15 years saw Hezekiah looking at life differently than he had looked at it up to that point. And he began to see that there was something to life and something that he needed to be living by that he had not in the early portion of his life lived by at all. What do people live by? <clears throat> Some live by sure luck. Do any of you have a uh, good luck charm or a rabbit's foot or anything in your pocket? I see one head shaking. Yeah, I do. Anybody else? We sometimes make fun of these things, but there are lots of people who, who live by them. I've got a few things around that I keep that I cherish perhaps somewhere along that line. Some people are just happy-go-lucky who believe that the rabbit's foot is going to protect them in times of difficulties and so the good luck charms uh, have some way of working themselves into our life and some of these people live very recklessly, almost daring God to do something. He goes to gamble. And it seems like every time he gambles, he wins. To the point that it's tempting for those who look on to say, gee, if he can do it, maybe I ought to try it. I learned my lesson one time in gambling with every dollar I had in my pocket. I gave to that guy in that booth who convinced me that I was going to win. And my last dollar was gone, and I hadn't won a thing. 
And as my father says to me about the West Virginia lottery, if you want to buy a ticket, give me the dollar, I'll be better off, and you won't be any worse off. <laughs> and maybe he's right. But there are those people who seem to win. Everything comes up roses. We say he was born under a lucky star. He takes chances and he gets by. Ralph Waldo Emerson said that shallow men live by luck. I don't know if we would all agree with that or not, but there are some people who, whose lives are based around being what we would call lucky. Being in the right place at the right time. Saying the right thing to the right person. Smiling in the proper way. And doing all the things that seem to bring him fortune and fame and success. Then there are those who live by their wits. We're living in a dog-eat-dog -dog world. If you're going to get ahead in this world, you're going to have to step on somebody, it seems, to get up the ladder of success. And you can name person after person who have gotten where they are because they have used every fiber of their mind to outwit the other person. To outdo. And it made no difference if their getting to their place of success meant that they were tromping on the ladder of other people who were the rungs. And they got there. They may have plenty of money in the bank and lots of property and fine position and be well respected in the community except they would have to remember that somewhere in their going up the ladder of success, they indeed stepped on a number of people that made it possible for them to get there. A lot of these wind up being nothing more than a ball of tension, wondering what life is all about, whether it's worth anything or not. And it's amazing to me the number of wealthy people who have suicidal tendencies and who are alcoholics or drug addicts. It simply tells us that they did not find, by the use of their wits, what they thought they were going to get out of life. And they came up short. Others are very successful. It would appear they really got everything on the ball. We say if you want to get somewhere, follow him, follow her. He or she has a good business head. Everything seems to be going their way. And then tragedy strikes. And the question is, what happens when the bottom drops out? When we had the stock market recession, Almost a crash some many months back now. There were numbers of people who lost 
tremendous fortunes in that episode who committed suicide because they could not face the fact that the bottom had dropped out of their life. Their luck had run out. They were at wit's end. And Hezekiah finds himself in that position. When there is no way to succeed because life has hit bottom. What do you do then? Is that the logical thing to do, is take a gun and go out and shoot yourself? Is that the logical time to take a bottle of pills and swallow them down, hoping that you might die in your sleep? Or is there something more that we can look forward to? Hezekiah learned some things that I think we need to learn. That this world needs to understand that we cannot, number one, we cannot live without God. Life is not worth living unless Jesus Christ is in the picture. And Hezekiah learned that. One of the real problems that non-Christian people face when the bottom drops out is that they don't have anything to hold on to. And so the only easy way out, it appears, is to dispose of themselves. But we Christian people also have problems when life hits bottom, when our difficulties are there, And we, like Hezekiah, have already learned that we cannot live this life without God in it. Well, that's not living. We can turn to our God because we've learned this lesson and pray like Hezekiah and God answers. Listen, we don't face problems in life alone if we're Christian. And we've all had those problems. I like to think I've had more of my share in life. But I suspect that I still have some yet to come. Perhaps you do as well. And Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall. And there in privacy he prayed to God. And he says that God himself has done it. He loved my soul out of the pit of destruction. I think that verse is extremely beautiful. Verse 17. Thou hast loved my soul and delivered it from the pit of corruption. The thing Hezekiah learned was that although his life had fallen to pieces, he had a God that was still on the throne and heard every word he prayed and responded. A man goes through life lighthearted. He's absorbed in his business, in his success, in his pleasure. It's all fun and games to lots of people until tragedy strikes. 
I think the real problem of our world is that we are taking God for granted. He's a cold stone image somewhere who doesn't have any concern for man. And he's only there to do things for people if they cannot or will not do them for themselves. But the God that you and I know is a God who is there in everyday life. And we don't have to face the tragedies of life alone because we have a God that is there who will pick up the pieces. How many of us have gone through the tragedy of death? All of us have been faced with it in some way. The tragedy of accident. We've had those. The devastating problem of job loss. The uncomfortable feeling of financial reverses when we didn't know where our next meal was coming from. We've all been there. Craig and I went through a period of time in our life when we didn't have very much and she stretched our food by putting hamburger helper with the hamburger and I hate that stuff yet. So we've had those times, all of us, of tragedy and loss of job and financial reversals and all this and our soul almost bleeds when we find ourselves so helpless and so disappointed when things have gone awry. So what do we do when life tumbles? And we face the shocking reality that we are not infallible and that difficulties may very well come our way. It's not always the other guy that has to face them. Then we'll learn that God is extremely important to us. We can't get along without him. Secondly, I think Isaiah learned that he could not get along without God's forgiveness. I mentioned this morning in the sermon about a need for a fresh start. I don't know whether we grasp how, how valuable that fact is. That when we really have messed up, we don't have to stay there. We can start over. And God offers us that opportunity. When spiritually our sins pile up, and we haven't sought forgiveness. When we hold grudges, when we feel hurt, and when sores in our soul begins to fester and develop into something that's about to eat us alive, and we look into the mirror and we can't stand what we see in coming back of us, at us out of that mirror. We don't have to be there. We don't have to despise our image in the mirror. We don't have to tolerate the ugliness that surrounds us and puts bitterness in our soul and eats us alive. For God can forgive. And He will. 
And that's what Hezekiah learned that day as he turned his head toward the wall and he prayed a prayer of forgiveness. How tragic it is that there are many men, women, boys, and girls who have never bowed the knee and asked God to forgive them. How tragic. I think maybe the thing that we need, perhaps very often, but certainly once in a while, in all of our lives, is a good soul washing. A good soul washing. When the soul is renewed again because it's washed totally clean, again, by the forgiveness of God, when we turn our face toward the wall and pray, and get out of us all of those things that have brought us to the bottom, and we're devastated. Lastly, let me say, I think Hezekiah learned, as we ought to learn, that we cannot live without God's love. A man by the name of D.H. Lawrence wrote a story, one in a book that he was the author of, entitled The Man Who Loved Islands. I never read it, read of it. It was a story of a man who could not tolerate anybody. He didn't like anyone. I'll never forget as a boy scout, my first trip to camp. The leader of that camp setting said, I hate people. And he not only said it once, but he said it several times. And even as a 12-year-old boy, I thought, if you hate people, what are you doing here directing a camp of kids? That didn't seem logical to me. And it made such an impression on me that I have remembered it to this day as if it happened yesterday. I know exactly where I was and what I was doing when he made that statement. This man who loved islands was a man who could not tolerate anybody. He hated people. And so in order to get away from people, he bought an island. And when somebody showed up on the island, he left the island and bought another island. And when somebody showed up on that one, he bought another one and moved to that one. And the story goes that the man died of insanity. And the moral of that story, as I understand it, is this. Man is not made to live on an island alone. He's made to live with people. We're not made to be isolated and separated from each other. God made us to love each other and to be a family. And when tragedy strikes one of us, it strikes us all. And we ought to be there to the rescue with sympathy and concern and understanding 
we see some of this when it comes to, uh, to death, when we all go to the funeral home or to the homes and express our sympathy. But it's got to be more than that. And the love that God expressed to Hezekiah in hearing his prayer and granting him these 15 more years is the same love that he still expresses to me and to you today. No Man is an Island is this title of a song that I heard a choir of high school seniors sang at a graduation some 20 years ago. No man is an island. We are made to live together and to love as God loved. The tragic thing of life is that if people do not get this love at home, or in the church, or in the school, or wherever, they will go seeking it. And this is one of the tragedies of teenagers. It is not being provided them in the setting where it ought to be, and so they go out searching on the streets. Now we find the tragedies. An orphan was being adopted by a family. This orphan was coming out of one of the better orphanages in the United States, an orphanage that was well endowed and had plenty of everything. There was not a single thing that a child could want or need but what was provided. But she, the little girl, was glad to be adopted by the family, and the family said to her after it was over with, tell us, why did you want us to adopt you instead of staying in that fine home? And the orphan said, because I wanted somebody to love me. Because that's not something you can buy on the store shelf. Or order it at the restaurant. It has to come from inside the soul of somebody and come out voluntarily. And it came out of God to Hezekiah as it comes out of God to you and to me, and it must then, in return, come out of us and go to somebody else or it'll die on the vine. Only as we give it away can we retain it. We need to learn that we cannot live without God's love from him above and from each other. I may have told you this story before. Some of you may remember it. Some of you maybe didn't hear it, but uh, I'm not sure if I told it, but I want to close with this story, which is a true story. A young man, like many young men, had left home under difficult circumstances and had said things that he wished he had never said, like, I'm never coming back. As years went by, and he began to think about his home and his mother and father, he realized his error, and he wrote them a letter, and he asked their forgiveness. And he said in the letter, if you will forgive me, I'm going to be on the train that's coming through town. 
where home happened to be along the tracks. And he said, if you will forgive me, I want you to hang on the line a white cloth. And I'll look out the window and see the cloth, and I'll get off and come home. If there is nothing hanging on the line, I know you have not forgiven me, and I'll just go on. He was talking on the train to a minister who happened to be riding the same train. And they were conversing, and he told the story to this minister, and he said, we're about to come to my hometown. He said, will you look out the window for me and see if you can see a white cloth hanging on the line? He said, I can't bear to look. The minister looked out. And he said, open your eyes and look and see. Not only is there a white cloth, the whole house is covered in white. That's the way God treats us when we're willing to seek Him and beg His forgiveness. He forgives to the fullest, to the uttermost. We can't live without His forgiveness. We can't live without His love. We can't live without God because if we try, life is going to reach bottom and there's no way up except through God and His love as was demonstrated on the cross. Yes. Though our sins might be as scarlet, they'll be white as wool. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.